That's all for today, and I hope that you're feeling inspired to navigate your ships with grace and authenticity. But remember, you don't have to do this alone. Our growing community is here and ready to support you. You can find the link to that one in the show notes. If you enjoyed this episode, I want you to subscribe, leave a review, and share it with a mom who may just need a little support and encouragement. Don't forget to connect with us on social media. We are on Instagram and Facebook at Momship Mastery, and those links are also in the show notes. Before we go, here's my little reminder. You are an incredible mom, and you have the power to nurture your inner well-being and create meaningful connections and relationships. Embrace the journey, cherish the moments, and continue to thrive in your momship journey. Until next time. Hey guys, welcome back to this week's episode of the Momship Mastery Podcast. I'm Andrea and really excited to get into today's episode with you. And it's going to be another one that's kind of sensitive, um, building off of last week's episode. But as always, we are in this together. So do what you need to do. Grab your favorite blanket, get a cup of tea, whatever you think. And um, let's get ready to talk about something that resonates with a lot of us. And that is the invisible threads of childhood trauma. Um, we know that life is like a, a fabric, right? It has so many um, patterns that are weaved and threaded together. And a lot of those threads come from our past, especially from childhood. We um, understand that some of these threads can be invisible, but they're very powerful and strong in how the fabric of our lives are shaped together. And it has a lot to do with the way that we navigate adulthood. Sometimes we don't recognize um, the way that these things are really threaded into our lives. We don't recognize uh, just some of the small subtleties of the in the ways that we do things and where they actually actually come from. A lot of this is, it's kind of learned or something we've experienced and we really um, have these things deep in us and we're not really sure or not even aware that they, they come from something that we learned from our parents. And this isn't always a bad thing. This is sometimes really good things. This is sometimes really fun things that we, uh, we do and we like to um, engage in that are just really deeply rooted in us. And so for today, we're just going to use the word thread. Um, so a lot of these, a lot of the things that we experience and a lot of the, the things that are deeply grained inside of us show up in our adult behavior, even if we say we're never going to act like this, or even if we say we're never going to do this. Um, some things that we learned are just really in us. Some things that we um, know, sometimes our, our ways of cooking, our ways of thinking, our ways of um, exploring, all of these things can be, uh, some can be connected to our childhood experiences um, that also show up in our adult lives. So while a lot of these experiences can be good, we also have some of those experiences and recognize some of those threads that echo the trauma and experiences in our lives. I've had my moments of looking and recognizing these threads that do echo the little girl I used to be. And sometimes it's like a hidden gem that 
explains so much about who we are and why we respond the way we do. I think that the trauma of childhood can unconsciously shape our parenting styles. I think at the forefront of our minds, we have this idea of how we want to show up. We have this idea of how we want to respond to our children. Most of the time it goes back to, I never want my kid to experience this, or I never want to respond to my children this way, or I want to give my kid the things that I didn't have. And while that is the conscious thought and while that is the thing that we are striving to do unconsciously and subconsciously, we have parts of these um, experiences that we're not even aware of that is kind of calling the shots of how we respond. So we can say, um, I want to be um, more present with my kids, but we don't realize why we're getting so agitated or why we're sweet, like we feel we need so so much space or it's like why we need... Um, time to to self-regulate when we're like we always want to be so consciously we could say um you know I want to be the parent that volunteers for all the things at the schools and things like this and that is what you know we want to do and then we don't realize that subconsciously we don't have the capacity for it because of one we may not have had that experience as a child two um we don't really know how to or we don't realize that you know we're overstimulated in this environment or we don't realize that um, we need to build this muscle of tolerance and all these things. But if we saw the adults very emotionally checked, they're not volunteering as much or having trouble integrating with other children or not wanting to engage with other children or, you know, where it was kind of on and off, then you realize that you don't have the capacity or the example of how to show up in the way that you're trying to show up. So it's very prevalent that the trauma kind of shows up in a really unconscious way, influencing how we speak, influencing how we react, influencing uh, just our being in the midst of parenting and I've caught myself a couple times using phrases or like shutting myself off in response to situation that I've seen or that I experienced and sometimes I have to go back and I have to rework that whole thing um but it's like rewriting the script that you've known all your life so here's the tricky part and here's the part that most of us kind of have trouble with is really recognizing the triggers right we all have them but we have to recognize what little things kind of transport us back to a moment that we'd rather forget or back to a response that we'd rather forget uh the common triggers like you know oh uh, maybe you didn't have a chance to explain yourself or explain uh, trouble you got into or maybe you weren't allowed to voice your opinion and now you kind of realize that you're getting agitated when your child is trying to explain something to you in a way that you weren't allowed to or maybe um you did get to voice your opinion maybe you were told to advocate for yourself and your child does not display that same uh tenacity in their explanations or they don't have the words or they're just like looking kind of like without an explanation and it's triggering you because you're like why can't you explain this in the way that I was expected to explain it um it could also be like our expectations of our children to be more independent uh I see this one a lot where the expectation is for our children to be as independent as we were not remembering that they did not have the same experience that we've had and it's it's a tricky one of those tricky spots because it's like I want you to be independent I want to know 
that you can take care of yourself. But the truth of the matter is they don't have to take care of themselves. And sometimes we feel like that's a bad thing because, you know, you need to know how to care for yourself and you need to know, you know, how to do all the things I knew how to do at your age. But our knowing how to do those things came from a point of survival and they are not in that point of survival. So they don't have the necessity. It's not necessary in this moment for them to know that. I'm not saying that they, you know, should know how to do developmentally appropriate chores and things like that. But the load of expectation that we put on them, the load of, I need you to know how to do all the things that I knew how to do. And I need you to know how to take care of yourself while still trying to say, I don't want you to have to take care of yourself. That's where that middle ground kind of gets murky. And it's like, I'm struggling to really find the balance of what I want for you versus what I expect because of how I was raised. Um, so what do we do? We have to rewrite the narrative. We have to break that cycle of expectation. We have to rewrite that script that we've known all our lives. We know, oh, we know how to do X, Y, and Z by the time we're 10. And then our kid is like 12 and they're like nowhere near that level of competence, but they have strengths in other areas that we don't have the strengths in or that we didn't get to develop the strengths in because we weren't in the environment environment that uh, cultivated those strengths. So they don't have to worry about survival. So they get to worry about other things. They get to focus on things like, you know, things like uh, arts or um, sports or something that they can put their, their whole focus in. And they get to just be. And we struggle with that. We struggle seeing a child just be. We struggle seeing a child just play because the expectation is, no, you need to survive. You need to know how to do all of these things because I knew how to do them. And that goes back into the threads of the trauma we experience. It goes back into the threads of uh, the things that we expected of ourselves, the things that we learned, and we have to rewrite that. So sometimes we have to take a moment to pause. So before we respond in like a sense of you should know how to do this, maybe we should pause and ask ourselves, why are we expecting them to respond in this way? What are we asking them to do? Does it align with the life you're giving them? Is it necessary in their life right now? So for example, our kids are very social, emotionally in tune. Um, they grew up on conscious discipline, even in their uh, preschools education, and we kind of carry that over at home. But I find myself really um, aggravated sometimes with him because he is very, um, very gentle hearted. My son, he's very uh, kind of passive in a sense of he doesn't really notice when people are being um, malicious or mean. And there's a part of me, um, and a part of my growing up and my understanding of the world that says he needs to be more alert. He needs to be more uh, ready and on standby to give these people what they're asking for. And I had to realize like that's not necessary um, for his survival at this moment. While I may have had to know that a bit earlier for my own reasons, just because I was a bit of a conflictual child, um, my son is not. He's very laid back, very non-confrontational. And for me trying to kind of bring that up in him and trying to make it be something that it's not right now, I have to really check myself and say, why is this so important? And part of that is my fear that he's going to be taken advantage of. But 
it's not necessary in his life right now. I know in the back of my mind that he's safe, um, but it's just something that makes me uncomfortable. So I have to deal with that. This goes back to our, our worldview, the way our lens in which we see the world and knowing that they don't see the world the same way we do. We have to understand that they see the world from a lens that does not have those traumatic events and does not have those uh, responsibilities of survival. They have a completely different lens, but we're expecting them to see the world in a way that we did. We're expecting them to respond and to act in the way that we did, but they see things totally different than we do because they've experienced things totally different. Uh, it's funny because like my son always says like, I'm so dark. He's like, mom, you're so dark. And I was like, what? It's just like my humor is very dark. He doesn't have the the lens that I have. So this is what this looks like to him. And I had to go reconcile that with him and, you know, help him to not understand where I was coming from, but to try to help and kind of soothe that out. So, yeah, that's part of that. When we're, when we're working with our kids and when we're understanding and trying to relate to them, we have to just think about the lens in which they are seeing life, the lens in which they are seeing the problem we're seeing. How do they see this? Do they see this the same way? Probably not. Um, so we have to kind of remember and kind of restructure our expectations and the way we speak to them based off of how they understand things. So let's switch to uh, relationships. How does our childhood um, experiences and traumas affect how we handle and interact in relationships? So childhood trauma doesn't just influence how we parent. It really seeps into how we connect with others. Like last week, we talked about attachment styles, the patterns we learned early on really play a huge role in what we expect and believe others to be capable of. Um, So if your childhood experiences was that you could not trust people or that people were um, dangerous or that you had someone that you trusted that broke your trust. That's kind of a belief that you have ingrained in you. So even if you learn how to interact with people, there's this underlying part of you that doesn't trust them. There's this underlying part of you that won't allow yourself to get too close because you're afraid or you have a fear that you'll be betrayed, Um, especially for those who have experienced abuse, whether physical, emotional, um, any types of abuse that really uh, disrupts the attachment and it makes connection really hard. It makes connection difficult. And when connection is difficult, it doesn't mean it's impossible. So you may still be able to connect with people, but deep down inside of you, there is this disbelief. There is this distrust that lies and underlies in your relationships. You can't be a hundred percent vulnerable uh you struggle to maintain healthy communication. Um, this is also for anyone who have experienced like living in a one parent household or seeing your parents fight and not reconcile when you are learning these things and you are experiencing like unhealthy relationships and watching people not communicate effectively. These are the things that uh, are threaded into who you are as an adult. So you don't have the skills to have a healthy communication style because you didn't experience that. And part of your traumas may have taught you that 
it's not necessary. And so you as an adult have some of these um, threads of your childhood that is not allowing you to effectively communicate. And that's creating more challenges in your connections and your friendships. You don't expect people to show up or you do expect people to show up and, and you feel disappointed and you feel disappointed and you're blaming other people. And we're not really looking at, you know, our roles in something. We're not looking at how we um, contributed to the dissolve of relationships, of friendships. So a lot of the um, patterns of adaptation that we learned early on, they play a huge role. So if you ever found yourself pulling away from people when things get too close or things feel too personal, that's a response, right? That's a response to our trauma. Uh, It's a a running joke. Okay, here's one of those things where it's like, you know, I don't expect things to be calm. I don't I don't know like when things are too calm for too long, I get a little nervous because I am used to chaos, all right? Things were always going on, so that felt normal to me. So when things are quote unquote at peace, that did not feel normal to me. That felt like danger because I felt like I was getting too comfortable and now somebody's going to sneak up and do XYZ, right? That's a response. So even when I was developing relationships or friendships, it's like if the friendship is going too well, now my guard is kind of up and I'm not as vulnerable and I'm a little distant because I'm waiting on you to switch up on me. I'm waiting on you to lie to me. I'm waiting on you to uh, be someone else, right? I'm waiting on you to show your true colors because this can't be who you really are. And with that expectation, we can't show up as authentic and as real as we want to be in a relationship because we can't be that. We're, we're struggling to uh, overcome the, the traumas that are shaping how we show up. I wanted to just quickly go over um, some of the things that may show up in our behaviors that are directly correlated with our parents' behaviors and the way that they showed up. This is in no way an exhaustive list. Um, This is not everybody's story, but this is what some of the research says about attachment and adult behavior, okay? So it's like if you had parents that were preoccupied, you often have this fear of abandonment. So where you're you're hypervigilant to other people's emotions, you are always looking for signs of disapproval or looking for signs of withdrawal or rejection in others. You're taking a lot of things personally that may not be intended to be personal. Um, and it kind of creates this sense of a fear of, of abandonment, this fear of um, connection. So you'd rather push people away opposed to getting connected and then they abandon you and then they uh, are unable to meet your needs. Um, or if you have like caregivers that were physically absent or emotionally absent, then there's this other fear of rejection and disconnection. You're very task oriented where you're, you feel that there's a need to be um, Um, perfect in order to uh, achieve things. Uh, You have like this underlying fear that you're flawed or you don't matter. You feel a sense of of helplessness and your attachment system is underactivated. You kind of disactivate your attachment because of the distance that um, you're used to. And then for for the disorganized attachment style, it's where you've had experiences that were frightening or you had caregivers that were frightened themselves where they were struggling to manage their own traumas and maybe addictions and substance use 
excuses. Um, so they are experiencing a lot of things that were unresolved and you've had like a regular and devastating disruption without repair. Then you show up as um, hypervigilant. You're always looking for something to go wrong. You feel overwhelmed and fearful most of the time. Uh, you may even start to dissociate or quote unquote check out of the experience that's happening. Like you like mentally checked out where you are thinking of other things or you're not present. Um, so yeah, these are, are some of the characteristics of how our attachment styles show up in our relationships. So you know that I'm always going to try to leave you with some small steps that we can take to uh, try to achieve some improvement. I'm always going to try to um, encourage you guys to start small, start with something that's attainable, start with something that uh, is sustainable. And sometimes that just means like reflective practices of journaling, um, maybe journaling about your ideal parenting style or your ideal relationship, uh, journaling about um, the dynamics you would like to see in your family, uh, sometimes incorporating like talks with people that are safe in your life, maybe talking to a therapist, breaking down uh, and understanding these patterns. A lot of that can help you to see where you are and kind of some of the hurdles that may appear when you're trying to overcome these threads that are woven into your your life. But while we're doing this, we also have to remember that self-compassion. I know I think I talk about it every week, but it's so important because this is a journey again. This is something that is going to um, reveal things to you about yourself that you may not have been aware of. And there are moments of realizing that you've experienced some traumas, you've experienced some things that really impact who you are today. It may cause a sense of guilt or shame and all these things, and none of that belongs to you. I want you to give yourself compassion, give yourself grace. Um, just remember that takes time. Uh, it takes courage. It takes strength. It takes all those things. And it's not something that you can do alone. And just remembering to forgive yourself for the moments you've reached that place of hurt. Um, self-forgiveness, self-compassion. We need that. We so much against ourselves. We expect ourselves, especially our younger selves, to be able to manage life in a way that is not logical. I want you to think about your kids and your child and think about the amount of things that you expected yourself to do their age. And I want you to ask yourself, is that fair to them? Would you beat that child up for not being able to manage life the way that you are expecting yourself to manage it? If not, I want you to give yourself some grace. When you are trying to build this new space with your partner, um, it's important to create this space that you're able to communicate with each other where you're not judging each other, where you're not um, hurting each other with your words, but you're able to say, hey, let's have this moment, this hour, this 30 minutes, where we can just talk and have this communication about um, our childhoods, our expectations, the, the things we've experienced and how that may impact who we are now, how that impacts our parenting, how that impacts uh, our ability to be intimate, our ability for our, how that impacts our um, understandings of relationships, our understandings of intimacy, our ability, our capacity, all of these things. We can't heal these things without talking through them. And then just remember to build that supportive environment within the relationship. Let that be your safe space. Let that be your 
a safe space and remember that you guys are teammates. You're not opposing each other. It's not a competition to see who had the worst childhood. It's not a competition to see who's the most traumatized. Um, it's about being there and supporting each other through these discoveries. And we have to do this on a consistent basis. This is how we build that foundation of, of trust and security. It has to be consistent. We can't be uh, secure one day and then um, unavailable the next day. I'm not saying you can't have a moment, but that needs to be communicated. And then just really celebrating the small victories together. It's going to be a journey. We talked about the, the figure eight journey of um, healing and it is, but there are going to be small victories along the way. And I want us to make a habit of um, remembering those small victories and really taking uh, moments to congratulate ourselves for the growth that we're able to achieve. So just to follow up, um, we just have to remember that how we show up today, how we show up in relationships, how we show up in parenting may be hugely impacted by our childhood experiences, our childhood trauma. Um, and it's really important for us to take a moment to understand our expectations of our children, understand our reactions of our children. Uh, we also want to express that self-awareness and breaking that generational curses. If you didn't listen to last week's episode, we talked about the grief and, and breaking curses. And it's not always a pretty thing, but it's an important thing. Um, and just remembering to take one small step at a time. Okay, let's not overwhelm ourselves, but just being mindful and taking the steps needed. So um, again, we're going to leave you with about five steps that we can take this week, if you'd like. Um, and just finding, number one, finding a mo mindful moment to pause, just pausing before reacting and parenting and relationship scenarios. All right. So to wrap up today's episode, we're going to so to wrap up, we're going to talk about just some few things that we can do to, to make a small impact towards improvement. First, we want to try to take a mindful pause. We want to pause before reacting in our parenting and in our relationships, thinking about when we're triggered and when we are having a moment and really pausing to see what is the, what is the underlying theme here. We want to journal. We want to reflect on our daily interactions and really look at the patterns and the triggers that may have come up in that day. Um, finding therapeutic support, consider looking for a therapist or a trusted guidance. And then having uh, number four, having open conversations. It's important to initiate some open and honest conversations with your partner in a safe way. And lastly, remembering to celebrate your progress. Acknowledge and celebrate the small victories into your new foundation, your new uh, normal of positive change. All right, guys, I want to thank you so much for having this conversation with me today. Um, I'm hoping that it nudged you towards some self-reflection and remembering that breaking curses isn't easy, but every small step matters. I want you to be kind to yourselves and celebrate your progress and know that you're not alone in this journey. All right, until next time. Welcome to the Momship Mastery Podcast, the ultimate destination for moms seeking balance, connection, and growth in their journey through motherhood. I'm your host, master's level therapist and life coach, Andrea Baker. Here at the Momship Mastery, we believe that motherhood is a purposeful journey filled with discoveries, challenges, and countless opportunities for growth. Our mission is to provide you incredible moms with the wisdom, inspiration, and tools to flourish as you nurture your relationship with yourself and those around you. Each week, we will dive into transformative conversations, therapeutic insights, and practical tips to empower you to thrive as a mom 
while still maintaining your unique identity. From self-care strategies to relationship building, from spiritual growth to parenting insights, I've got you covered. So if you're ready to embark on this journey with us, hit that subscribe button and let's explore the world of motherhood, relationships, and growth together. Remember, you're not alone on this journey and we're here to support you every step of the way.